Glory to God. Mm. You know, um, when a pastor called me the other day uh, to, to ask me to cover for him this morning, almost instantly uh, got something in my system that I just couldn't get out of my system. And it was these words. From disappointment to divine appointment. From disappointment to divine appointment. Anybody in the house ever been disappointed before besides me? All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say it. If you didn't raise your hand, yeah, we, we know. We know it's you too. And uh, today, I, I, you know, I, I want to go ahead and uh, dig into this. God's got something to say to us today. Because disappointment can be one of the things that's most crippling in life to keep you somewhere. To keep you wallowing in something. When, when there's a a future ahead and, and places to go and, and, and things to do and things to, to, to uh, go on with with God. And yet something that didn't work out the way it was supposed to work out is holding us back. And, and, and here we are in 2016 and yet there's still a part of you that's tied to 2011 or, or 2005 or 1996 or 1980 or some other time that that still is in one way or the other crippling you in some way. Oh, hallelujah. I, I don't believe we need to be trapped by disappointments and, and uh, held captive by things that didn't go right. As a matter of fact, I believe that today's the day to realize some truth and to realize not just what the Lord has done, but also the expectation that the Lord has on us. You know, uh, I, I love the, the, the spirit of the uh, lepers over in the book of 2 Kings that uttered this statement. They said, why do we just sit here until we die? Hey, there, there's something about that. And for, for, for many of us that have been disappointed in life at one point or the other, yeah, you can just sit there. Mm. You could just sit there. Or you can realize that beyond disappointment is something called divine appointment. Hallelujah. And that you can go and get everything that God's given you to, to, to have and to experience and to bless others with in this life. Um, when it comes to disappointment, who can you potentially be disappointed with? <laughs> a lot of people are disappointed with God. I 
I know that might be hard for some to imagine. And for some of you, it's pretty easy to imagine. But there's a lot of people that are disappointed with God. And it's not that the Lord disappoints. But the, the truth is that a lot of people have directed their disappointment to him. It's not that he's the one responsible for their disappointment. But, but he's the one on whom the, the blame was put for things not going the way they were supposed to go. You know how I know that? Because being in the ministry, I know this, that, that if God don't get it, the ministry gets it a lot because they're next in line. So believe me, I know of which I speak that there's a lot of people that are disappointed with God. And a lot of times people take that out on the ministry and, you know, they say, ah, I'm done with church or I'm done with this or I'll just go ahead and uh, serve God my own way at home. But uh, I ain't going to be bothered with anybody. And, 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 and it's not uncommon. Because if it were uncommon, we'd have a whole lot more people here today. The, the fact is that in, in churches all around America and all around the world, there's a lot of turnover. And the reason why is that not everybody sticks. And one big reason why is that a lot of people were disappointed about something and they hung that disappointment on God. You know, uh, over in Exodus chapter 5, and it's interesting because uh, uh, you, you see this in, uh, in Moses' life. Uh, but basically, it, it's the idea of, well, I, I obeyed you and things started getting worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I went your way and, and that's when things really got bad. You know, over in Exodus 5, verse 22 to 23, it says, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? And then the next verse, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's done evil to this people and neither have you delivered your people at all. Isn't it nice to, to see somebody in the Bible being honest? Honest with his feelings at the moment is not the ultimate conclusion of things. It's not the way the story ended. But uh, it's beautiful to have a relationship with God where you can go ahead and, and be honest with him about what you're dealing with at the moment. You know, God can handle it. God can handle it. But then at a certain point, he said, all right, are you going to go ahead and uh, are you done? Are you done now? You know, the story's not over yet. You, you, you know, uh, there, there, there's still, still another quarter on the, the game clock. There, there, there's still time in this thing. This ain't over. And with God, it's never over. Because God does something that you can't do. God raises the dead. So even when it is over... With God, it's not over because he can take something that's over and make it unover. 
How's that for a word? On over. <laughs> so I tell you, there's times people blame God and say, Lord, I obeyed you. And that's when things started getting worse. Other people are like this. Well, the righteous are having trouble and the wicked have it easy. The righteous are just having all kinds of trouble and the, those people that are just lying and cheating and stealing and fornicating and adulterating, they're just getting away with everything. You know, over in Jeremiah 12, 1, the prophet said, Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. You let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? And, you know, sometimes people are disappointed with God because somebody didn't get their due yet. You know, over Malachi 3, it's interesting, you know, right after God talks about tithing and the, the windows of heaven being open, he said, you know, your words are stout against me. And, you know, the question is, well, how have our words been stout against you? Well, over Malachi 3, and verse 14, he said, you have said it's useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Next verse. So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Anybody ever felt that way before? Hey, hey. anybody ever felt that way? That man, I'll tell you, the, the folks that are doing wrong are getting away with it and folks doing it right, getting slammed on every side. You know, another way people blame God, hey, you know, uh, it's interesting in the, in the, the story of the prodigal son, uh, Luke chapter 15, it, 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 it brings this little bit of uh, light out in verse 29 and 30. Uh, the son answered to the father, he said, I've served you the, these many years and I've never tra transgressed your commandment at any time. Yet you never gave me a little young goat so I could make merry with my friends. And then here comes your other son who took all the money you gave him and spent it over at the uh, massage parlor. <laughs> and, and you're going to go ahead and kill the, the, the fatted calf and make a party for him. And you never gave me a little skinny goat so I could have a party with my friends. And some people, wrongly, but, but, but take that out on God. Say, well, you did this for them. Why didn't you do it for me? How does disappointment manifest in some other ways? You get disappointed with other people. You get disappointed because you expected something better out of them than what they delivered to you. Oh, Lord. You, you, were, you, you, you were expecting better than you got out of a family member or a friend, or whatever the case might be. You know, it's interesting, even the Apostle Paul, the, uh, him and Barnabas decided to do some work with, with this guy named John, otherwise known as John Mark. We better know him as Mark. And his name's on one of the Gospels. But uh, uh, this fellow, he really disappointed Paul. I mean, the, the, they were going out to do the Lord's work. And he just left and went back home. 
And so the, Paul and Barnabas planned another trip to go out again. And uh, Barnabas said, I got a great idea. He said, I think we should bring Mark. <laughs> and Paul said, over my dead body. <laughs> he said, boy, I ran home to mama the first time and he ain't come with me the second time. And, and the Bible says that the contention got so sharp between them that uh, Barnabas and Mark went one way and Paul hooked up with a guy named Silas and went another way. Preaching the same message. But Paul was, was at a point where he said, I've been burned once and I ain't going to be burned again. Disappointed by others. Now, I know this never happens, but you can also get disappointed with yourself. Oh, Lord. And, and, and th this is a biggie because, you know, you can... You can run away from that other person that disappointed you. But when you disappointed yourself, that's the same mug you got to look at in the mirror every day. There ain't no way you can run from you. You can't hide from you. And, and what, what's interesting, what, what, what's the uh, situations under which something like this can happen? Well, the Bible gives a few. One is not having proper counsel. You know, uh, Proverbs 1522 out of the King James Bible says that without counsel, purposes are disappointed. I see that's the new King James, but the, the, the wording of the King James is that without counsel, purposes are disappointed. And, and, and it's interesting that, that a lot of times we've had disappointments in our lives uh, because of a lack of counsel. We've had disappointments in our lives because we the only counselor we listened to was ourself. Oh, Lord. And we didn't bother listening to anybody else. So here's the thing. You went full-blown into something. And the, the problem was that you already know everything you know. So because you didn't get anybody else involved, you didn't get the advantage of finding out what somebody else might know that you don't know yet. And got burned. You know, another thing, <laughs> you know, you, you could have disappointed yourself because you didn't count the cost. And what did Jesus talk about counting the cost? He, he talked about Luke chapter 14, uh, right about 28 to 30, in, in the spirit of the man who went to start the building. But he, he didn't think ahead to, to be able to factor in everything he was going to need to do that project. And so what happened? He, he ended up not being able to get it done. And why? Because he didn't count the cost. He didn't know what he needed to get it done before he went into it. And so a lot of times we disappoint ourselves for that very same reason. We, we've disappointed ourselves because we did not finish what we started. We started going somewhere and, you know, we're rah, rah, let's go. And either you didn't count the cost or it just got tough and hot in the kitchen and you just quit. Disappointed in ourselves a lot of times because you ran red lights. And I'm not talking about red lights on the street. I'm talking about red, red, red lights here in your spirit where God's trying to tell you, don't go there. 
Don't go there. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I call it getting the, the family feud strike inside. When, when, when you're thinking about doing something, you're, uh, you know what I'm saying? You, you're getting that family feud strike inside of you. Says, uh, uh, don't go there. And then, boom, pedal to the metal when you crash and burn. And you say, boy, why did I do that? So we see people get disappointed with God, even though it's not properly placed disappointment. People also get disappointed with other people and people certainly get disappointed with themselves. But the bottom line is this, is that you must leave disappointment behind to get to your appointment. Hey, hey. We're talking about going from disappointment to divine appointment. You must leave disappointment behind to get to your appointment. And in the context of what we've just been talking about, we talked about people that are disappointed with God. You know, they said, I obeyed you and things started getting worse. But what's the flip side of that? The flip side of that is the words of David out of Psalm 27 and verse 13, where he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah, you might have started doing the right thing and things looked like they were getting worse. But but if you can get your eyes fixed on some long term here and not just short term. Yeah, it might be tough at the moment, but I'm not just in here. I'm not in this thing just for the moment. I'm in this thing for something long term and I can look ahead and I know this about God. That I'm going to see the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. Thank God for heaven and all the goodness over there. But I'm not talking there. I'm talking about the land of the living. That's right here on terra firma, planet earth, this life. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promised both of this life and the life which is to come. There's that other side of the coin. hey. The other side of the coin that says, weeping may endure for the night, like Psalm 30 says, but joy comes in the morning. And you see, if if you just have yourself a disappointment pity party in the middle of the tough time, you don't realize that, hey, there's somewhere we're going that we just ain't got to yet. We're still on the road. This mess that I'm in right now is not the destination. The weeping is not the destination. The joy is the destination. The the hard times is not the destination. It's seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living. That is the destination. You know, we talked about the people that blame God for stuff and and said, well, the righteous are just having trouble all the time and the wicked have it easy. But, you know, in Psalm 73, the writer talking about those wicked people that were prospering. Listen to what he said. Psalm 73, verse 17. This is what he said about those people. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. 
Yeah, it might look like they're doing good at the moment. It might look like they're getting away with stuff at the moment. It, it, it might look like you, the honest person on the job, is getting all the flack from the boss and the people that are shafting the boss are getting raises. It might seem that way, but when you got some perspective, when you understand their end, then you see things from God's perspective. You see the whole picture. You don't just see the moment that you're in. But you see the way that things are ultimately going to turn out. Remember, I talked to you about the idea of, well, you did this for them, and what did you do for me? Why didn't you do it for me? Remember that? We, we referenced the, the story of the prodigal son where, uh, you, you know, hey, you never even gave me a, a little skinny goat to go have a party with my friends, and here you are killing the big cow for, for him. And all his mess and all he's done. And the response of the father to that older brother is fascinating. As he said in Luke chapter 15, and the first part of uh, or, or, uh, uh, verse 31, he said, all that I have is yours. Now think about this. He, l- listen real closely. He is saying this to his son, Who's complaining about, well, you never gave me nothing. You never even gave me a little skinny goat. And here you are doing this for him. And all the time he's complaining about the father never giving him anything. This is the truth all along. That everything that the father has is already his. Hmm. Oh, oh, oh. So here you are, seeing somebody else get blessed, seeing somebody that got saved after you did, got started after you did, and it seems that they're doing so good and going along with God so good, and it's like, what's up with that? I mean, hey, I, I remember I was tithing, and, and, and they were still out stealing. I, 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 was, I was living holy, and, and they were still out uh, uh, moving around from, from house to house doing their thing. And now I see them going past me in the blessing lane. What's up with that, God? Where's mine? And would the Lord say to you the same thing he said to the older brother? He said, don't you know that all that I have is yours? So in the light of this, think about it. You know that the fatted calf, the big cow? That older brother could have had that for the party anytime he wanted to, but never really realized that it was his. Now you see why a lot of things gets blamed on God when God's not to blame. Because here is an improper perspective on our part that God's holding out on something from us, that God's keeping something back from us when the real truth is, is that everything that the Father has is already ours. You're just coming across a person who, who just decided to take what belonged to them. You can do the same. You can take what belongs to you. As a matter of fact, when you do things right, you don't get disappointed or, or jealous or enviable at the promotion of others. You rejoice in the promotion of others. 
You know what? I've always had this funny little illustration in my mind, and it might just be the way my mind works. Lord have mercy. But, you know, I, I see this blessing line and, you know, people are going along and, and, you know, somebody in front of you, oh, you know, they, they got a promotion on the job. Praise the Lord. And uh, somebody else, you know, the, 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 they were believing God for a spouse, got themselves a good spouse. Praise the Lord. And, and you're about there. You're about at the front of the line and going to get yours. And what you say, it always happens to somebody else and never happens to me. At which point... You're going to the back of the line. <laughs> and then here we go again. Oh, glory to God. Good things happening. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, that's really nice for you. And, and you know, but by the time you get about here, you, you're so close. And you say, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. And to the back of the line, we go again. Somebody needs to say, Lord, help me keep my mouth shut till I get to the front of the line. Woo! I feel like preaching today. Now, others. Your disappointment with others. Whatever happened to that thing with Paul and Mark, you know, uh, Paul was really t- ticked off. You know, he, he didn't want to have anything to do with this guy. He, he jumped ship. He, he couldn't stand the, the heat in the kitchen. But ultimately what happened, you see in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. How did the story end? Paul, the, the, this is the last chapter of the last book he wrote. He wrote this just before he died. He said, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful to me for the ministry. Now, for something like that to happen, that means that Paul had to forgive and had to learn to trust someone again. And you know, I got to tell you, and God's talking to somebody here. Some of y'all are so tough on other people, but you ain't that tough on yourself. When it comes to other people getting a second chance, oh, no way, they ain't getting no second chance for me. And yet you'd be the first one in line trying to get your second chance. God wants somebody to know you need to forgive and learn to trust again. Now, I'm not talking about being unwise and just going and getting burnt and hopping in the same yard where the dog is that bit you last week. But I'm saying this, you can't paint everybody with the same brush. And if God's not a God of second chances, then what kind of God is he? As a matter of fact, I'm glad he's not just a God of second chances because I left my second one a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm glad he hangs in there and is patient with you until you get it right. And regarding disappointment with yourself, what to do? You got to repent, learn your lesson, let it go. Repent, learn your lesson, and let it go. I think I, think I got this next slide up, if you got it. 
Take the lesson of your disappointment with you without taking the guilt of it with you. Oh, come on, somebody. Take the lesson of your disappointment with you without taking the guilt of it with you. Now, I got to tell you, boy, me, me and the Lord had some conversations. I had some conversations with God about disappointments in my life that I knew were absolutely, totally rooted in me. I wasn't looking at the Lord and saying, why didn't you do this? I wasn't looking at anybody else. I knew that it was moi. And you know what? There was a season in life where it seemed like every time I'd come into the presence of the Lord and want to have a talk with him, that I'd be nursing and rehearsing the same old stuff over and over and over again. To the point, and I am very serious when I say this. One of the most authoritative times God has ever spoken to me was in this context when he said to me, don't you ever talk to me about that stuff ever again. And I'm very serious. God got tired of hearing me moan about something that he already put under the blood. And to tell you the truth, he was insulted that I would think that somehow my blunder was bigger than the blood. And I'll never forget that time in prayer that rattled me. God said, I don't want to hear it. I said, okay, yes, sir. So where do we go from here? Disappointment prevention. Hey, how not to get stuck in disappointment. We need to move quick. What does the Bible say about this? Well, it's vital that we not be paralyzed by disappointment. Because if we are, it'll hinder our further progress. You got to know that it's vital to not get stuck here. Because if you get stuck there, it hinders your ability to go forward and move forward. You know, Romans 5, 5 says, hope does not disappoint. Can somebody get some hope going on inside of you? Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's given to us. So if you want some disappointment prevention, get some Bible hope. Some Bible hope. That's not just hoping and wishing that something happened. That's an earnest expectation of what God's got ahead for you. Hallelujah. Can somebody say believe? believe. Yeah. First Peter 2, 6 in the Amplified. I love it. Uh, he said, uh, therefore, it's also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. The Amplified of that reads like this. Is that he who believes in him shall never be disappointed. Hallelujah. You want some disappointment prevention, get your hope on. Get your believing on. And bottom line, folks, I know you're going to shout and dance at this. You got to be patient. You got to understand the way the timing of God works. See, God works on appointed time. You know, Jesus was born, Galatians 4, 4 says, when the fullness of time was come. Oh, Lord. 
when the fullness of time was come. And, the, you know, there's a beautiful illustration over in Habakkuk chapter 2, talking about the, the vision. And, and, and write the vision down. It says, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So you see, the vision's for an appointed time. Come on, somebody. And so what you need to do on your way to your appointed time is to keep your appointments. Hey, I got a little play on words here for you. Keep your appointment with God and receive your appointment from God. We're talking about going from disappointment to divine appointment. This is big. Keep your appointment with God and receive your appointment from God. You know, if you look up the word appointment, you see two different definitions. The first definition, you see an arrangement to meet someone at a particular time or particular place. And the other definition is you'll see the act of appointing, assigning a job or position to somebody. Well, you see, you're keeping your appointment with God, that's your meeting with God. And then you're receiving your appointment from God. That second appointment is the job that God's got for you. So what we need to do in order to go forward is is to be able to to, to embrace hope and, and, and believing and, and patience and leaving disappointment behind and be able to go on to keeping our appointments with God for the sake of receiving our appointment from God. The ultimate job God's got for you to do. The ultimate position that God wants you in. And the illustrations of this simple fact throughout the Bible is pretty amazing. You see John the Baptist over in Luke chapter 1 verse 80. And the way it's worded in the King James Bible is right here. It says the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. So what happened? He was in the deserts. That was his meeting place. That, that was the place where he had his appointments. And what did the appointments result in? The, the, he, the, the appointments resulted in growing and waxing strong in spirit. And what ultimately happened is as a result of the appointments with God, he got the appointment from God, which was the day of his showing. You see that? See, he was in the desert with God, growing and waxing strong in the spirit. And then he got the appointment from God. It was the day of his showing. And you see, we need to get this order right. You see, you notice that the growing comes before the showing. The growing comes before the showing, which means this, that in our lives, that, that, that the, the appointments with God happen before you get the appointment from God. You can't bypass your appointments with God to get your appointment from God. No, you got to have your appointments with God first. And then when you get your appointment from God, the appointments with God continue for the rest of your life. You can be sure of that. But, but this simple principle of keep your appointment with God and you will receive your appointment from God, you see it throughout. Mark 3. This is beautiful. He, being Jesus, went up on the mountain, called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14. Then he appointed 12. 
that they might be with him. That's the appointment with him. And that he might send them out to preach. That's the appointment from him. That's the job. That's the position he called them to. That they might be with him first. First, keep your appointment with him. And secondly, you get your appointment from him. What you're sent out to do. Glory to God. Look at Acts 13. Woohoo! Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Oh, they had an appointment with him. Oh, oh. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. That was the appointment with him. The Holy Ghost said, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That's the appointment from him. Now, let's check this out as we get ready to close today. 2 Kings chapter 2. This is the story of Elijah and Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 2. What we're going to do, we're going to read 1 to 6 and then we'll skip over 7 and 8 to verse 9. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Verse 2. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Sounds like there ain't no way I'm missing that appointment. Come on, somebody. Stay with me. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Verse 4. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me out into Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. He said, no, I got another appointment I'm going to and my appointment's with you. Come on, verse 5. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, yes, I know. Keep silent. Verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Talk about having an appointment. I ain't missing my appointment. Because if I miss my appointment with, then I miss my appointment from. Keep on reading. Verse 9. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. That's the appointment from somebody. Verse 10. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. In other words, Don't be missing no appointments because if you miss your appointment with, you miss your appointment from. Verse 11, then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. The beginning of verse 12 and Elisha saw it. But in order for him to see it, he had to be there. And him seeing it was a requirement for him to receive his appointment 
from. So for him to get the appointment from God, he had to keep the appointment with God. And for him, the appointment with God was don't let that prophet out of your sight. You know, there is a problem with us. We have been very lax about our appointments with God. We have been very lax about our, uh, uh, our time with him, our appointments with him. As though, you know, uh, well, you know what? I got an appointment at the salon and the Lord understands. Or I got an appointment with Joe, you know, uh, to, to talk about some things at work and the Lord understands. But you know what? The, 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 the Lord understands this too. That if you don't have your appointments with him, then you don't get the benefit of your appointment from him. If you don't have your appointments with him, you're not around him enough to find out where your appointment from him is. Some people live their whole lives not even thinking in terms that I've got an appointment from God. I've got a job from God. I've got a designation from God. Something that God wants me to do, wants me to appoint me to. Something that I've been appointed to in the mind of God from the foundation of the world. And here you are never finding out about your appointment from because you're not even keeping your appointments with. And then you get disappointed. And whose fault is that disappointment? You feel unfulfilled. And whose fault is that disappointment? Whose fault is that sense of unfulfillment? If we keep our appointments with God and we're always right where we need to be when we need to be there. Come on. Can I just tell you something? This is not deep and spiritual. But besides your everyday appointments with God, you've got a Sunday morning appointment and a Wednesday night appointment. And if you're really serious, woohoo, the Tuesday night appointment, Lord have mercy. But when you keep your appointments with God, When you're in his face, when you're there, when you're supposed to be there, always meeting with him. You know, think about this. What we read in Mark 3, Jesus was not just talking about, yeah, I I, want to go ahead and just have you guys get together so I can send you out. No, sending them out, their, their appointment from was secondary. He said that he appointed 12 that they would be with him. You read Mark 3, that's what we've read. God's number one priority is not what he's sending you out to do. It's just having you with him. It's his appointment with you, your appointment with him. And then out of that grows And out of that flows the appointment from him. But God's number one interest is not the job. God's number one interest is you. God's number one interest is not the job he's got for you. God's number one interest is the one he's called to do the job. And when you do that, then you put yourself in a position where you can move on from just having appointments with to receiving an appointment from and to be able to go forward and actually do the thing that God has ordered and appointed and ordained that you would do. Now as we close today, 
Talking about getting from disappointment to divine appointment. Let me tell you, four appointments that you must keep on the way to receiving your appointment from God. Four appointments, appointments that you must keep on the way to receiving your appointment from God. And this is based on what we just read in 2 Kings chapter 2. As Elisha was following Elijah from city to city to city. The first one was this place called Gilgal. Gilgal means rolling away, rolling away. And that's the place where you remove the old. Over in the book of Joshua, when the, name, when the name of the town Gilgal, the name of the place was initially given. It was given because God said that the reproach of Egypt has been rolled away from you. The reproach of Egypt, the reproach of your past, the reproach of the old stuff has been rolled away from you. It reminds me of the words of a song. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart, rolled away. So on this road, that's the first place you got to stop, obviously. The removal of the old. The washing away of the old. The second stop that Elijah and Elisha made was Bethel, the house of God. It's where you resolve to fully commit to the new way that you're walking. I remember what happened in Jacob's heart as he, there at Bethel, where Jacob had an experience with God over in the book of Genesis, at that same location, he vowed a vow to God that if the Lord would keep him, feed him, clothe him, and bring him back to his father's house in peace, that the Lord would be his God and that he would give the tenth of everything he got to him. He made a commitment that God would be his God and that God would have his stuff too. He committed to tithe right there at Bethel. This is the place where you resolve to not just partially commit or play around. It's the place where you fully commit to the new way that you're walking. And as Elijah and Elisha's uh, journey continued, the next stop was this place called Jericho, which literally has two different meanings to it. One is a place of fragrance, and one is city of the moon. Place of fragrance and city of the moon. But, but it's interesting that really uh, you, you can see the same meaning out of both of those because you are called to be fragrant with his fragrance and to reflect his light. You are called to smell like him. And he smells good, let me tell you. And you are called to reflect him like the moon is a reflector of the sun. So are we to be reflectors of his light. Hallelujah. So you go from rolling away, from having the reproach of Egypt rolled away, having the old rolled away so that the new can come in. You come to this place called uh, Bethel, the house of God, the place where you make a commitment and you say, Lord, yeah, it's me and you and I'm embracing this new way. The Lord is my God. You got the 10th. You got the 90. You got it all. And then they went to Jericho. Realizing the need to reflect the Lord's character in your life. That's where we all need to stop. These are stops we need to make along the way. And then the last stop was Jordan. Which actually means descending. And that's the reminder to remain humble. Descending. I must 
decrease. He must increase. And the beauty of 1 Peter chapter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. When we're walking this road and going to these locations in our spiritual walk, think about it that the place where you ultimately get exalted into your appointment from God is the place where you descend, the point where you put yourself low to the ground and say, no, this is not about me. This is about God. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. And what does God do at that point? God exalts you. And if we don't go this way, then we hinder what God really wants to do in our lives. So it's interesting as you see Elisha keeping his appointments with God so he could get his appointments from God. You see these stops along the way and we have those same stops. The stop where that old reproach is rolled away. Gilgal. And then Bethel, the house of God, the place where we fully commit our lives and, and, and our, ourselves to, to the new and living way that we're called to walk in. And then after that, You've got Jericho, the, 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 the city of the moon or the, the place of fragrance where we realize that not only am I in this new life, but I am called to be an ambassador of the kingdom from which I'm from. I'm called to be a reflection of the Lord whom I serve. Where when people smell me, they smell him. When people look at my light, they're seeing a reflection of his light. And then to Jordan, the place of descending. The place where you say, it's not about me anyhow. It's all about him. And any good thing that's ever done in me all goes back to him. It came from him. It's all about him. And when it's all said and done, it goes back to him. When you do that, that's how you go. From disappointment to your appointment with God, to your divine appointment from God. And I pray that these sayings sink deep into our ears today. Would you pray with me today? Father, we honor you and give you glory. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God, for the way that you've ministered to us today and the way that you've challenged us, Lord, to, to leave behind things that would hold us back and trip us up and hinder our progress and to go on to embrace our precious time with you, our appointments with you, Lord, so that we can ultimately be appointed from you, have our assignment clear, and go and do the thing you've called us to do so we can stand before you and hear the words, well done.